Yeah. Okay, now I can hear me. Hear you now? Um, do whatever you did. All right, I can hear me. And check, 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 check. Yeah, I'm good. I think I sound all right. Sound like me. Let's go, Nico White. What's oh my up, God. buddy? Dude, yeah, we're live. We just get we just get right into it. Okay, yeah, that's fine. What's me. good, man? Same old Nico same. White. We see you all over the place, man. I see you every night. You're at a different spot. Mm-hmm. And um, I just listened to your special about okay. a couple hours ago before you came on here. Dark Out. If you guys have not listened to the special, you need to. Uh, just basically an experience of an entertainer, a black 20-something-year-old, I don't know how old you are, and just experiencing 2020 with Corona and with George Floyd and just, like, your thoughts, man. So Mm -hmm. while it was a special, it also had, like, a dynamic to it where it was, like, storytelling, you know? So kind of talk about the special and um, what you've been up to these days because I know that you have the Netflix is a joke special coming out June 13th. 13th, baby, June 13th. beautiful, man. So talk about it. What's good? All right, man. So um, we'll start with Dark Out. So what Dark Out was, it was a project that I put together kind of on the fly, right? So 2020 came in and it blindside ain't even the word, you know what I'm saying? Like, that shit was a whole lot, right? So I'm a full-time comedian. I have been since the time I started. Yeah, when you were 14. Yeah, and this is how I, you know, this is my everything. I facilitate life off of this, right? And that's always been the case, and it's one of those things that, like, for me, I feel like people don't really understand that or really know. It's not something that I talk about a lot. But, like, when it happened... There was things coming along that I was really looking forward to. For example, that Netflix thing was supposed to happen in 2020. Like two years delayed. And it was supposed to happen on like the 20, I don't know, the 24th or something like that of April in 2020. And then like we get 21 days away from that joint and, you know, the world stops. And there was no way for me in that moment to not feel like that was personal. Right. Like even though it was happening to everybody, it felt particular. For me, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, how, how, you know what I'm saying? How well, do you feel like it was particular for you just because you had been grinding for so long and like this was the moment? Nah, so like gr- it makes gr- I'm I'm on I'm on a thing now where it's like words matter a lot and grinding's the, the wrong word to be used for me, right? Because grinding means you're losing something. You know what I'm saying? I love what I do, like really deep, deeply love what I do. So I wasn't losing anything working. You know what I'm saying? I've been working the whole time. Grinding would assume like you beating your head against the wall and you losing something. Not no year that I've ever had has been like the year before, and that's including 2020, right? So I say that to say, after the lockdowns came in, right, I had an hour material that I had recorded that I was going to release in conjunction with the Netflix special originally, right? That was called Marcellus, right? And I put that out on my birthday that year. So Marcellus came out May 8th, and then George Floyd and all that happened right now. What Marcellus was, that was the album that I recorded in October of 2019, right? And that's my live show, right? Of my material that I was doing at that time. And then that happened and just felt, I felt suffocated, if that makes sense, right? So I'm a live performer, right? And live shows were illegal, you know what I'm saying? And that's across the country. It wasn't just in New York City. Live shows weren't a thing that you could really do. So, you know, you pull in the news and all that shit, and you kind of get everybody's feeling and all that, and it just felt sad. You know what I'm saying? Like the the eeriness in the streets, because, you know, I'm here in New York. I was there for the protests and all that stuff, so I got to sit with my own emotions for a while, and my thoughts were really jumbled. And I had um, one of my friends, he had recommended this Lil Wayne documentary, right? 
And like we sitting here now, Wayne to carry like a studio with him. And yeah, like in hotel rooms and stuff. Yeah. So he was um there was one part where he was recording um like Swagger Like Us and all that. And I had seen that video before, you know what I'm saying, coming up. And I always Wayne's one of my favorite artists, if not my favorite rapper, right? And I was watching the band from TV video, he just standing there, he going over his shit, right? And I was like, Why can't I do that with jokes? You know what I mean? What? Why can't I do that with jokes? And I felt like something like that would match my style. So I'd reached out. I thought it was a crazy idea, and I reached out to a friend of mine because I wanted to do this, you know, with no audience. Yeah, like spoken like word, that. like how you did it. Yeah, and now, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I wasn't even thinking spoken word. I was thinking more jazz. You know what I mean? I was thinking more like, because I truly believe good stand-up has the same, like give people the same facial reactions and all that and feeling as good music, right? So if I hear a good bar, I go, Five, right? <laughs> Run that bitch back. Yeah. That's the feeling I want you to get. If I'm going to, like, if I'm doing something emotional, I want you to be able to feel what I'm talking about. Like, not just hear me. I want you to be able to tell it. No, I mean what I'm saying. Or I lived what I'm telling you I lived, right? So now I reached out to a friend of mine who's a comic that also, um, like, he produces stuff, right? And I told him the bare basics of the idea. The nigga said, I don't get it. And I was like, perfect, right? So when he said he didn't get it, I reached out to um, Mike Lavin, as you all might know him, the homeless pimp, right? I reached out to homeless pimp. He's somebody that I've known for a long time. He, I'm a fan of his work. He's a fan of mine. And I was like, yo, I got an idea. Oh, wait, no, I'm lying. There's one more person that I reached out to. <laughs> but um, they, they left me on scene. You know what I'm saying? Shout outs to you, chump. But <laughs> I reached out to um, homeless pimp, and I told him the idea. And right away, he was like, bro, I love it, right? So then I was trying to figure out a venue where I could do it at because, you know, the comedy clubs on that were shut down. So now um, the owners of New York Comedy Club, you know what I'm saying, we have a really good relationship. And I reached out. I was like, hey, you guys have a studio out in Long Island. You know, can I use that room? And Scott was like, fuck yeah. We were, yeah, let's do it, right? So now that day. And Dark Out, I'm not going to lie to you, is my favorite thing that I've done of all my specials. I love it. Not more, but it's up there for me. Like, I, I really feel like I did something different, and I really feel Bro, like, it was different. I mean, people talk about, like, the Jerry Carmichael special just being, like, a different kind of viewpoint. Go and watch I think, Dark Out. And, dude, I think you, I mean, you did it before. You did it December of 2020, and it kind of, like, it was so, like a recap of 2020. I did. It was more than that, bro. Like, that shit... It, I'm, I'm a bleeding heart, right? I wear my heart on my sleeve. I cut that shit open on Dark Out. You know what I'm saying? I really let it bleed. And, like, if you watch my stand-up, like, early on, people, like, one of the things I would get is, like, oh, well, you know, you're not that personal, right? That's what people would say. And I'm like, I don't know if you know how to listen to me to see my personal. Very personal. Yeah, man. If you listen to me right, you'll learn a lot about well, me. Mean, dark Out especially. I mean, growing up in the projects, living there for, at the time, 27 years. 2020, you were like, shit, man, what do I do at this particular time? And that's why you probably felt it was like personal, no? You know, it, was, it wasn't as much that. The thing about it was like, I work hard, right? Yeah. And I work really hard. And I'm one of the, um, I'm one of the ones that's like, I'm a lot more of an everyman than people think, right? Like, there's no agent on my side. There's no manager on my side. There's no industry help on this side. But throughout all that from the time I, you know, I started to right now, been able to hold a pretty good position in the scene that I'm in, been able to work, been able to headline, all that stuff. So it's like everything has made sense thus far, right? 
what dark out was, it was my response to everything that was going on at the time around me, everything that I was going through personally. And then just like some reflection, opening the book a little bit to let people read the pages of shit that I don't usually share, you know? So, and when it comes to the story of the family, it was more like, wasn't the mom may have jobs that moms dropped everything to take care of her mother. mother. You know what I'm saying? She was actually was working a very good job. You know what I mean? But again, she dropped everything to take care of her mother. And then my grandma passed Hey, I'm the man in the house. But yeah. So, um, with dark out, when we got there to the studio, right? I can't lie to you. I didn't have a plan on how I was going to do the material or anything like that. I couldn't for the life of me get a set together as far as like, okay, I'm going to do this and this order that I couldn't get that together to save my life. Right. And unlike other shows, other times where I've taped something, this wasn't a, this isn't something that I got to work out 500 times. Right. This is something that I probably worked out of uh, the jokes that were in there. They were all probably like seven months. Because we shot this on my comedy anniversary. We shot that September 14th of 2020. And the personal thoughts were already in your head, though? That's like kind of what you were oh, already yeah. thinking? Well, that, that's that's life. You know what I'm saying? It don't, it don't take much for me to do that part. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can tell you those stories as we sit here. And so, again, this Dark House is my coolest story, I think. So we get there and... Homie shows up. We waiting on his um guy. It's um homeless pimp and it's um New York video guy, right? So we waiting on him to show up. And for the first two, I decided to go and do it the regular way with like a regular stick mic. You know what I'm saying? And wire. So these two never released. But the first time we did a take, I said, "All right, y'all set up the cameras, and I'm just go." You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna go till I'm done, and then we'll do it again, right? And then what we were going to do was we were going to use the like Frank Frank Sinatra style microphone, and we were just going to record with a back black drop. To um, I was going to do all like the deeper shit, like the stuff that I thought about the protests and all that stuff. I thought about um, you know, my own situation, like bank account versus opportunities and all that. Um, so those are going to be like interstitials cut in through the um, you know, regular stand up and whatnot. Kind of like if you ever seen Kill the Messenger, like on Rock was in different places. Yeah, yeah. When I got the more deeper shit, darker shit, you put it up. We would go to the um you know, the microphone like this. That was the plan, right? That's what I thought. So now we do the first um we do the first take. And I just tell them I said, all right, I'm gonna go till I'm done. And we rap. I say I'm done. And again, it's just me and those two uh you know video guy homeless and um Emilio and Scott over in the sound room, right? And I asked homie how much time I did. He says, like, an hour and change. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. There's no way. And he's like, no way. Yeah, that's what you did. Okay. I was like, okay, cool. I lost my sound real quick. I was like, okay, cool. And so now I go upstairs, put my headphones back on, bop around a little while. And I come out. We do it again. I do a different set, right? This time we go another hour and change, right? So now... We go, all right, whatever that's going to be, we got that. Now let's set up the um, mic and the backdrop and all that. And it's like, we set that up, come over, I see the shots, and I like it a lot, right? So I go back upstairs, bop around a little bit more, listen to some more music. I can't, I can't get this shit down, right? Like in the order that I want to do. But still, I'm feeling good. I figure, fuck it, we're going to let it rip. And now for the third one, 
We go in and we go for it. The last take we did was an hour and I want to say like an hour 20 something, right? Now, that's three different times during that night, uh-huh. right? And that one felt it felt so good that I was like, fuck the other two. We're just going to go with this, right? And I really think we came out with a project that I'm really proud of that I couldn't get any press for, but every person that saw it felt about it the way I felt about it. So I appreciate that. If you haven't watched Dark Out, check it out, man. Watch Dark Out. Check it out. There's so many different perspectives in that. You know, like it's not just you wanting to do comedy and getting antsy. It's just all about your personal life too, and how your family was involved, and also just keep the you know keeping the career on the trajectory mm-hmm. and having a you know a big moment like netflix is a joke like you have mm-hmm. and having to wait two years i can only imagine you know how anxious you were just to get it done so how did it go before we uh we're, we get a sneak peek on the what we talked what we talking netflix thing netflix yeah um a lot of um that one felt great because it was a lot of like crazy full circles that happened back to back to back right just from um the date itself April 29th 14 years to the day of the first open mic ever signed oh nice right so happy coincidence right then being able to do it with the people that we got to do it with that was dope you know what I'm saying because we all are from the same class we all started around each other you know what I'm saying I met like I met Pete and I met Jordan and um Matt Matt did the warm up on the joint we all met during like Little Rascals Comedy it's a comedy group you know what I mean so go from that to do what we've all done, you know, in general, to go to this, excellent. You know what I'm saying? Like, tear-jerkingly excellent. I'll tell the, I'll tell that story, like, for real, for real, on the Potterhood podcast, which y'all should check out. You mean, like, the uh, just the full circle moment, how everything came back together? Yeah, 100%. Not even just came back together, but again, the people. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all, the comics that were on that thing, I'm talking about I've known since I was at least 17 years old, right? So, I'm 29 now. You know what I mean? So that long, like from the class people that motherfuckers that like weren't good or that they didn't see. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I had a chance to talk to uh, Julio Gallerati about it. Like the man. Right after, or I guess it was canceled. You know, like he mm-hmm. was looking forward to it too. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of just like up in the air. Maybe it'll come back in August. Yeah. And then maybe it'll come back a few months after that. Yeah. So uh, did you kind of keep everything together for that 15 minute set? Like two years prior, were, were the jokes kind of the same or you mix it up a little bit? Nah, the... Um, I added a bunch of things. So, again, you you don't know what it's going to look like until you see it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't want to say what's going to Yeah, yeah, don't spoil it too much. Fuck around, look at it, and it's edited. But, <laughs> but if you if you see me live as of late, you've seen that set. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you've seen me within the last six months, you've seen that set. And I'm proud of it. You know what I'm saying? I'll let the people see it. Hope y'all like it. And if you enjoy it, come see me live. That's my whole thing. Love that. Come see me live because I swear I got more and even more than that. You ain't seen shit yet from me yet. (laughs) And you're at New York Comedy Club a good amount like during the week. I'm everywhere. You're everywhere. That's freaking true. I'm everywhere. You know, and I only and I only have to like emphasize on that sometimes because people like staple one spot to me. It's like, no, you're going to stop playing with me. Yeah. See him everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, we like the um, like. Because I've been off the road like the way I like to be on the road. I've been off of it for like maybe a year. You know what I'm saying? I've done, well, how, how do you mean by that? Like yeah. I like to do, if there's a year's worth of, you know, free time to be on the road, I like to do at least like 20. You know what I'm saying? So because of the pandemic and afterwards, I've been off the road like extensively like I would like to be. So 
you know, we'll see what happens. I like to do the road again to schedule it at, you know. You think comedy has changed for the better since pre-pandemic to now? What do you mean? I mean, like, do you think that maybe more people are appreciating it, coming out more to live shows and not sticking to their couch and watching the Netflix, the Hulus, people are out more, do you notice? I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that. I'll say. Um, well, I think you are, man. You work every night. Fair. I say um, <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think it's so easily answered, right? Like, I don't necessarily know that it's giving people more interest in stand-up. I'm not saying it's taking away interest, but I'm just saying that um, I wonder if they understand how our thing is supposed to be presented. You know what I'm saying? Or how it's supposed to be um, appreciated sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, we, we practice humor. So there's a certain level of, you know, you're not supposed to give so much of a fuck about what we're saying because of our position, right? Stand-up comedians or on stage, we're supposed to be able to make fun, right? But you have to do that. You have to make it fun. You have to. And like, I don't know, there's this, I don't know, there's this weird like thing with the feedback also where it's like, you can see with the audience sometimes like after the Oscars and all that stuff, you can see some people were like defending a comedian getting like accosted for jokes they tell. And then by that same token, you can meet comedians that think that like uh, they they'll tell audiences that they're bad audiences like to their face because the audience don't like them. And it's like, I don't, I don't believe in that. Right. The audience is allowed to have feedback. Right. That feedback being you tell your joke, they laugh, they don't laugh. They give you a response. That response can and sometimes might be a boo. You might get booed. You might even get heckled a little bit. But that's fine. You shouldn't try to eliminate that all the way. You know what I'm saying? That's supposed to be present because that's their, as a paying customer, that's their right. You know what I'm saying? You're not supposed to keep heckling or keep booing. Mm-hmm. Like, you hear the thing you don't like, boo, whatever. Move past it. But that's the audience is right, I think. And so I think that should be. You know, accounted for too. So going back to when you first started comedy, fourteen years old. Like, what mm-hmm. was your mindset in starting so young, man? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm at fourteen. I don't know. I was messing around playing a bunch of different sports, but I don't know if I would have had the courage to go up and an open mic at age fourteen. Um, it was one of those things. I started in school, right? So I started on the very, very first day. Now, a teacher had asked, "Does anybody have a talent?" As I'm sitting there, one of the kids I was talking to all day was like funnier than I was in conversation. And he had, we had really similar voices, right? So <laughs> like first day of school, I was like, man, I ain't going to get laid. This motherfucker talk just like me. And he's funnier than <laughs> I am in conversation. Yeah, but you were probably better looking, dude. I hope so. But it's like, <laughs> with all that said, in that moment, like we talk, we talk, the same girl is like right there. You know what I'm saying? It's lunchtime. We talking and like everything I'm saying is like uh, doing it. It's like every other thing is hitting Everything he's saying, she having the best time. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to fade to black in this motherfucker. This is going to suck, right? So now we get to um advisory. Ms. Richardson, shout out. She um You in eighth grade or ninth grade at this time? I'm ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And Ms. Richardson goes, um, does anybody have a talent they want to share from the class? So as this girl was singing a song, something in my head was like, I tell jokes, right? I raised my hand. Ms. Richardson let me go up. And I tried it. She let me talk for eight minutes, and it worked. From the, the first thing I did was about... um school safety officers, right? And it got a laugh. 
I love that feeling. I've been doing that, like some stuff similar to that in school since I was really little. And like in general life, even earlier than that, if you ever met mom, she'd tell you when the time I was like two, three years old, I'd take my walker, sit in my granddad's room and just recant my day to him the way that I heard my day. You know what I'm saying? He said to edge of the bed and laugh. I would do that whenever we went downtown. It's two, three. You know what I mean? When I was in elementary school, the, um, they let me share a story once and the, it was about Jackie Chan Avengers. I'll never forget that. And it made everybody laugh. I liked that. So I kept writing stories like that. Right. And they started to ask for me to share during, um, you know, the time to read and all that. And that's fifth grade. Then junior high school, again, being like, I was never the class clown or anything like that. Yeah. But funny if you talk to me, you know what I'm saying? Like decently cool, not coolest kid in school, not the worse off, you know what I'm saying? But, but did, did nice. some of the teachers take you as the class clown though? Never, never, never. I was always a good kid in school, you know what I mean? I didn't talk too much. I'm I'm, I'm a business, you so, know what Yeah, I mean? so when but, it was like time to be funny, like that was your time. Yeah, but uh, like I was in a nice middle ground, you know what I'm saying? Because I was a good kid, I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Teachers asked my mom, like, does he talk? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Can't shut him up. Yeah. So, you know, it all depended on where you got me, sure. but like school wasn't School was pretty good for all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I got to explore. And then, you know, again, I started and it worked. It might have, who knows? And maybe it would have worked different if it didn't. But when I started, it worked. And I loved that feeling. I didn't know anything about the business. I didn't know anything about none of the shenanigans, none of that. I knew that I loved that thing, right? And one thing I'll try to tell comics when I meet them now is like, and I really believe this. When you start, you have all the audacity you need and none of the skill, right? And then as you obtain skill, a lot of people lose their audacity, right? Because they, you know, see things differently. Totally. I've stayed as close to the brightness that that kid started with. I've stayed very close to that. You know what I'm saying? Because that means a lot too. You mean like the confidence too? Not, not, not even just that, but like the confidence comes from you can't lie to me. You know what I'm saying? I started in front of eight people. Right. On a whim from, you know, if you believe in that shit, from a whim of a thought, you know what I'm saying? Made a decision and it's worked out. Mm -hmm. All I ever did was work hard when I would leave school and I was getting up three times a week at school before I even went to my first open mic. What was that then? Like music class? No, that was advisory. So advisory, they let you come up like that? Yeah. So advisory was the last period of the day. And the way it would work is you would get either advisory or gym. So five days in a week, you would get advisory, sometimes three days a week, and get gym two days. Or when the marking period flipped, you got a um, three-day advisory, maybe two-day gym, like, you know, go back and forth throughout the year, right? And then me and Rodney would do a once-a-month show during lunch where everybody from our grade would come downstairs after they grabbed their shit, room 247, and we'd split the show. I'd do what? It was like 15 and 15. So I wow. do 15 minutes. He'd do 15 minutes. So the shit that we prepared and I would have passed out um, comment cards and all that stuff back then. Just forever coming into a comedy club. Just so I want to know what people thought and all that shit. So that was September through April. Then April, a little after Easter, Miss Richardson had mentioned to me that um, she had mentioned open mics. I didn't know what that was. I thought all the comics went to college and you know all that stuff to do this. And she was like, no, she said, you know, you can go there and they might, you know, see you and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't have like 
you know, I didn't have a laptop or nothing like that in the house. So I went to the Children's Aid Society around the corner from me. And I went there, looked up open mics in the city, and it came back the bad slava list. I don't know if they still got that for the kids, but the list came. And I saw that, you know, 42nd and all that stuff was still traveling at that time. So I saw they had one in 42nd Street, the High Comedy Club on Tuesday, and then they had Stand Up New York on Friday. So I was about to turn 15, and I said, all right, fuck it. I'll go down here and I'll do this. And if I do it and do it well, then I've won. I've done comedy, right? So Any nerves at this particular point going from the classroom to go to a real open mic? It's nerves, yeah, but it's like, again, I I do this. Like, I, I really do this. You know what I'm saying? And even back then, of course, I was nervous. I'm never not. I get nervous almost every show. Yeah, yeah. You know same. what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's one of those things where that nervousness isn't a deterrent. It's like, I'm also excited. I'm also like... Every emotion that you could feel, I'm feeling that, right? And to me, I thought, again, at the time, I was like, okay, if I do this, then I'm, I could retire, right? Whatever the fuck that means. And I had, I had had the stage name already and all that. So I, um, I go, I sign up, and I remember I saw an open mic list that said um, $5, for five, it said $5 for five minutes, yeah. right? And in my mind, you know, I'm a baby at that point. I'm like, Okay, that's a dollar a minute commutative property. If I take ten dollars, that'd be you know ten minutes, right? Which was about the time I was doing in school. So I go down there. I'm dressed in the same outfit I wore for Easter, and I meet um Francisco. Shout out to him, fat man. But <laughs> I say that with love though. When I first met him, I tried to give him the ten dollars for ten minutes. The motherfucker looked at me and said, "What? Ten dollars for ten minutes? No." Five dollars, you get five minutes, you go in, you sign the book, uh, blah, 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 right? And I said, I, I ain't never been one of those people where you could just talk to me any kind of way, right? Even even from that young, I'm, I've just never been that. So I remember I said something, and he said back, uh, something along the lines of, how old are you? I said, um, I was about to be, I said, I'm about to be 15. He said, about to be 15? Well, if you want to get 16, something else, right? <laughs> right. I, I will never forget that. And... <laughs> I go on, I think I was like number 20. I was between 21 and like 25. I think I was 22. Damn, that's a big mic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm like 22. And give him a little $5. I go in there. And I'm having a blast. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hear people not laughing. And I'm having a great time. But I'm like, hmm, well, I guess it's not going well. All right. I'm number 22. Can't wait. Right. So now I go on. And I'm doing the jokes. And they're not going over, right? But I'm fine with that because it's like, all right, I know I got a closer, right? So we go, we go, and the closer time was about my cousin taking the dump in the bathroom and not flushing. And I do the closer, and it gets a ha from, like, way in the back, right? And that was it. And I was like, all right, it ain't going to be that bad again. And that turned into what was three shows a week, with one show during lunch turned into those three shows plus after school, maybe two to three open mics, then go to the hood rooms for two or three shows. And then you multiply that by some days, multiply that by some months. Those turn into regular shows, those turn into paid shows, those turn into, you know. Yeah, on and so forth. So were you focused fully on comedy at that point? Were yes. you playing any school sports or is no, it was just full comedy? I've been full-time since the time I started, and that's no bullshit. 
I grew up in comedy clubs. Was there a comic that you looked up to at that particular time when you were, you know, young in high school? I mean, so many in a way. Like, or maybe that's some you saw live, something like that. Oh, something that I saw live. Yeah, sure. Um, there were there were a lot of folks that were really dope. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, the vets. I remember Donnell Ron was somebody I watched a lot. You know what I'm saying? He was also somebody that helped helped out a lot when I was, um, you know, starting. Gave me a lot of stage time. Um, let me see. Mm, I always loved R&B. You know what I'm saying? Very, very, very energetic. He knew how to direct energy really well. You know what I'm saying? Master. I liked people that mastered rooms that they were in, right? And I'm talking about, I'm used to hearing the walls jumping, people laughing so hard, right? And it created a standard for what I think, kill, what I think killing looks like, what I think yeah. it sounds like, all that stuff. And, like, even being able to come up around the comics that came up around, it was... um. I go to, I, I'm from Harlem, so, like, I would see, like, I think, um, I think she's going by Takara, I think she's going by Takara Williams now, but, um, I remember Takara, you know what I'm saying, doing Hudson River Cafe with her outside the train and all that shit, right? I remember doing, um, like, spots like that with folks like Derrick Gaines, so on and so forth, and it's like, again, to know what those things started as and, like, to see those styles build, to see them evolve, to see them all grow up and be a part of, like, that class of comics in general is great. Was there a spot where you were like, oh shit, like I know I've been doing this for a long time, but now this is serious. This particular spot is I've, serious. I've, oh no, I've always felt like that. I've always felt like that. It was never not serious for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, if I was doing, I remember I walked in stand up New York and then one thing, nobody ever spared me their, um, you know, their words, right? So I remember I asked, um, I think it was Greg at Stand Up New York. I said, how long do you think before I'll be able to work here? And they looked me in my face and said, seven years. Jesus. I shit you not, I was working Stand Up New York within eight months of that shit. And it's like, just stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, um, being able to do the, just for last festival, the way I was able to do it and all that stuff. Like, I, I, I really believe there's certain things that if you do them differently, they'll be, They'll be like on point, on point, right? So at the time, I was um, unrepped, and I ended up on a repped showcase because they believed the person that was telling them they needed to see me was my manager, right? And I do the showcase and had one of those sets, right? And again, it it's just crazy to me sometimes. I only auditioned once, right? And years before that, I couldn't. I couldn't get auditioned. Didn't know how. I used to feel horrible when the shit would come around the city because it's like, damn. I, you know, you feel like you want the hardest working ones here, right? And you go, well, how? And you don't even think about it when you don't know about it. But then people go, like, how did you not get an audition? Yeah. How do you not? How do you not know about how to get on? Right. So. To do that and then get it from that and then to find out that they thought that homie that told them they should see me was my rep. And it's like, so wait, if that wouldn't happen, you might not have saw me. How old were you at that time? I was 22. Because I had just won. We had just won. This 2016. So I'm 29 now. And I just turned. This is like April 2016. So I'm like 22, 23. 22 going on 23, I think. Because they auditioned me in April and then told me I got it, like, a couple months after that. But, yeah. So, it was that of, like, damn, they might not have saw me. You know what I'm saying? If I just had to submit a tape, you know. So, like, if there was any place where you could, like, write a thing, like, where you wish something could change, I would wish they would start seeing unrepped people. 
people live. For example, there's a documentary that I did called One Mike that um, shout out to Ricardo Herrera, Dave Kieran, and um, Craig Adams. When I was 17, they reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to do One Mike. And One Mike to this day has gotten the most like, it's been a part of a lot more people's stories than I ever thought it would be, right? Like people have moved to New York. Some comics who I came to really enjoy told me that they moved to New York because of One Mike. You know what I'm saying? And I never would have thought that would have been the case. What is One Mike? Just to it's a doc- ah, give it a look. It's a documentary about me when I was 17 years Beautiful. old on the scene, going around what my thoughts were, all that stuff. And again. If you go back and you watch that and you look at the person I am now, you see where the career is now, just all that stuff, um, you'll know that work for every part of what's over here. You know what I'm saying? Whatever positive that's over here, I worked for all that, you know. And the fact that it's a part of other people's stories and stuff like that, and it's gotten me, it started getting me work, and that started getting me so much other work. You know what I'm saying? It's an easy introduction to what, that side of me was and is and what probably at my barest right now, because you know, I'm more of an adult now, but at my barest, what I think about the thing it is that I do. One of the lines I said on that shit that I even think about sometimes is if you don't want to be a comedian, don't be a comedian. I swear to God, I do this every day if I didn't get paid for it. And I swear to yeah. God, and I swear to God, I wouldn't stop. And there's certain things that at least to yourself, when you look at yourself in the mirror, it's like, you have to feel like you prove to yourself, right? I feel like I proved those parts to myself that I am a true comedian, true stand up comedian in the truest sense. I like to entertain people and I hope to be a better part of your day. You know what I'm saying? As long as I'm kept in proper context, we all good, which is I'm here to make fun, here to be a better part of your day. Keep me in that context. Don't take me too seriously. And from there, let's have a good time. Any and all things that's a part of this art form, if I can do it and do it well, I would like to be a part of it. Has your family always been supportive of you doing cam- comedy? I haven't had to ask anybody for money from the time I was 14 years old. Like, again, yes, they've been supportive, but it's like they've almost had no choice, right? When I started, they didn't know I was doing comedy probably for two years. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom knew I would tell her that, but who knows if she believed me or how much she believed me, right? Or, yeah, what it kind of looked like. the first time they saw a show was at Creole Lounge, 119th Street and um, Lexington Avenue. And, no, I'm lying, 3rd Avenue, I'm sorry. And they saw me rock. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't like I wasn't doing this every day. I'm doing this every day on top of school, on top of life, every day. And I'm out late. You know what I'm saying? I leave early. So... There was no doubt about what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like, when I told my parents, I was like, I'm not going to college. My pops called me and said, yo, you want to do it? Do it. And I do it. I stick to that. Did you get any words of wisdom from the older guys where you were like, all right, cool. I was maybe a little bit down now, but all right, let's keep it moving. In what sense? Like, I know how you said you never give up and stuff, but I feel like everybody kind of gets to a time where they're like, shit, man, I'm down on the dumps right now. But then somebody gave you some words or maybe you thought about a particular person's words like Donnell Rawlings or somebody who kind of just gave you that extra push. Like, OK, yes, obviously I'm doing what I do. It, it's it, you know, it's funny. Like I got I got that stuff from those folks, definitely. And I got that stuff. But I feel that stuff more from people. Right. Uh, I mean, like from the audience. Yeah. Of And of the audience that I've been able to build throughout this time. Right. And again, I know what mine started out like. 
You know what I'm saying? I know when I first did that joint, I was in front of eight people in the classroom, right? I know the first time I headlined in the city of Gizzy's Lounge, I know how many people came out, right? And I know how much I appreciated that. I know how many people came out when I first started touring. You know what I'm saying? Those early, early shows. I know it was like to go into those little rooms and the people would be like, man, you shouldn't be in this room. You need to be somewhere else. Like, all those things. In a good way? Yeah. Right, right, right. All those things tell me what I need to know, right? And going through whatever you go through as far as like, because I don't, I don't know, like maybe acknowledgement and stuff like that, the things that would get you down, I'm looking at the things you can't lie to. You know what I'm saying? I started with nothing, and I'm everywhere I want to be. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm a professional comic. The only thing I've ever wanted to be. So... I've, I've I've been down, but when I'm down, there's not a lot of people to talk to. You get what I'm saying? You feel like you have nothing to lose, though? No, there's always everything to lose from life and everything else. Life, health, all that shit. Like, you ta- I take none of this for granted. You know what I'm saying? Every day I get to be and be a part of the thing I love to do. In fact, I'm doing something that I love doing. That's not lost on me. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people can't do that. For better or worse, and that's why I was so against the word grinding earlier. For better or worse, I'm living my dream. You can't lie to me. You can't tell me I'm not funny. Bullshit. I'll stand on any stage where, where anybody you put me on stage with, and I'll tell you, I'm going to do my thing. It's not about being better. Or, no, I'm going to do my thing. And I'm going to do it for that audience that paid the ticket to see it. What would you say to somebody who wants to start stand-up comedy? Understand that, that it's understand that it's an art form, fam. Understand that it's something that should be respected. Understand that there's, there's certain traditions that should be kept while certain, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? While a, traditions should be kept, abuses should be lost. You know what I'm saying? How do you mean? How do you mean? What? So, traditions should be kept of like, you see a lot of times right now, there's not a lot of camaraderie between like the levels in comedy right now right because there's so many ways to do things and because there's not a lot of openness for the younger comedians to get inside like the comedy club system and all that stuff in some places they all have to start like their own sub scenes right in those sub scenes sometimes you lose tradition and sometimes because it's you know we in the we in the era of people producing a lot of shows now i come from a time where that was something that didn't happen a lot, right? Comedians had shows, but it was to be booked on the show where your only service to the show was you could provide to the audience. Like, you were good on the show. So whereas now, spot trading and things like that, it's all a part of the social economy, right? And it makes sense. It has to. But I wish that, you know, you wish they were a little tougher. You wish folks would take criticism a little more. You know what I'm saying? When I say take it more, I mean take it better. You know what I'm saying? Or even get it. I doubt they even get it. You know what I'm saying? People might not take the time out to come over and say, hey, maybe you should try this or maybe you shouldn't try that. Maybe you should slow down a little bit. Maybe you should not yell directly into the microphone when you hosting. Maybe do this. Maybe not do that. There's some structural things that would help a lot if everybody got to mix a little more. There's a bit of a, um, you know, just certain things you pay attention to. I wish the scene wasn't as, you know, seemingly prejudiced in its bookings. You know what I'm saying? But those are the things I would like to see change. So I think that comes from people that being able to be around each other, having that camaraderie and, you know, doing the thing. 
Would you say that you have a circle that you've grown? I know initially you talked about, you know, Netflix is a joke and growing up with those comics. Would you That's say circle, that yeah. there are a few guys or girls that you've been with like the entire time? That yeah. Seen there, their career progress. There's so many. There's so many that I don't want to name any out of fear that I'll forget, forget somebody. Some. But like there's so many folks that we all grew up together from the time where it was like motherfuckers didn't have children. Now they have children. There was a time when I was shorter than everybody. You know what I'm saying? Chris, really? Chris DeStefano was taller than me at one point. Well, you're like 6'3". Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, because your growth was I was a 6'3 like at 14. 15. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I think I, I used to struggle with this. It was like, I, I look the same for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Adding a little, adding well, a little a definition. Fade, dude. Adding a little definition to the face. But I kept, we, I look, we look the same. You know what I mean? So like. If some people to acknowledge it, it's like, yo, I'm not who you met. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's like kind of a I have a kind of a dogged, you know, thing for that. Like you ain't gonna play with me. You know, so yeah. Nico, thank you for the freaking words, man. Seriously. Like I, I, I just felt me. I just feel like you coming on the podcast and just getting even deeper. And if you guys didn't watch Nico is special. I mean, you'll get a chance to see his new set. Netflix is a joke. And also, when's the next time you're going to be at a comedy show? This comes out next week, a week from today. Fam, whenever you guys see this, find me online, whether that's my website, which should hopefully be new and up by the time you see this, and that'll be in my Instagram bio. But find that and find me. I'm on Instagram at Nico White 93. That is at N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3 on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. Find me on TikTok, Nico White. And and on June 13th, you will be able to see me and in the TV. others on Netflix's Pete Davidson Presents The Best Friends. Seriously, I do not finish most hour specials, guys. I finish this guy's special. Check it out, that all right? means a Nico lot. Nico White, thank 93. Much, Nico, thank man. you so much for coming on the podcast. Ted, brother, and we'll thank see you. you at the Ted Jones Comedy Show shortly, hopefully July or definitely in August. Okay, guys? Thanks hey. so much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys soon. Peace.